There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free bring spring color inside this season with bear premium plus paint starting at just 28.98 a gallon at the home depot add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bear exclusive color arrowhead lake or a splash of amazon jungle to your living room Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Decking Sideways is not brought to you by Crazy Johans Bulletproof Later Hosen Emporium. Instead, it's brought to you by CrimeCon 2017, which, as it happens, is starting like right about now. Uh, it's not too late to get a ticket. You can get a day pass. They have them available. And if you don't feel like spending money to get into CrimeCon, you can always come and see us after hours. Uh, watch our social media, the Twitter, at where we are, Thinking Sideways, uh, and uh, Maybe on Facebook, too, but we'll be sending out uh, information about where we're going to be hanging out. We'll definitely be having meetups. So if you want to come hang with us, that's great. Uh, Nancy Grace is going to be at CrimeCon. I'm sure she's going to want to come boozing with us. So if you want to see Nancy Grace drunk, then, hey, come hang out with us. We'll see you there. Bye. Thinking Sideways. I don't get it. I brought the aliens. You must learn what you have learned. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey there, and welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Steve, of course, joined by... Devin! And Joe. And, again, this week we come to you with another mystery. <laughs> another, another one? What's this list- one about? Well, this one's about the Texas Killing Fields. Oh, that's some of my best work. Oh, <laughs> did I say that? I'm, yeah, I'm... you got to stop saying these things out loud. Damn it. Um, this story, before we get into anything, this story is a listener suggestion. It was suggested by Greg quite a while ago. Just a quick word of warning, this story does deal with the murder of quite a few young women. So if you've got little ears around or if that is something that makes you uncomfortable, I'd recommend turning this one off or skipping it for a later time till the little ones aren't around. Yeah. So let's get into things. Okay. First off, most of you are probably wondering what are the killing fields? 
Uh, and it can get a bit confusing. Yeah, these when, aren't the ones in Cambodia, by the way. These are no, the this Texas is the ones. Texas killing yeah. fields. And it can be, get a little confusing when you're on the internet. So officially, the Texas killing fields are a 25-acre piece of land that is on Calder Road, or just off of Calder Road, which is halfway between Houston and Galveston, Texas, on the I-4, I-45 corridor. Like uh, the I-45, for you people who don't know, is a freeway. Or it is. A it's highway. an interstate. It's a highway. Yeah. That runs north and south, essentially. Between the coast where Galveston is to Houston, which is about 50, 60 miles away. But bodies are being found up and down that stretch of road and in that area, which is why I said it's a little confusing when you do Mm -hmm. the reading because there's an official killing fields and then there's a larger term that's applied to this area, which is why sometimes you'll see this called the Texas killing fields. Sometimes you'll see it called the I-45 killer. Um... There was one other name that I saw it under that I can't suddenly think of. Yeah, so there's either. there's a couple yep. of different names, and, and really it all depends on who's making the list and the number of victims that they're going to include because yeah. there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this area, yeah. and there has been since the early 70s. Yeah, the killing fields, is like that's just like this little part of an oil field that's next to the highway and yeah, an old, an yeah. old, like abandoned oil field. In marshes. Whereas there's miles of highway that are not not part of the killing fields where people can still toss a body out here and there. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go through quite a few people's stories. So we're just going to jump right into this, which is with the very first one. And we'll work our way forward from there. So the first victim story begins uh, in June of 1971. On the 17th of June, Colette Wilson, who was 13 years old, was dropped off after band practice by her conductor at a bus stop near her home. Uh, she didn't come home, and her body wasn't found until five months later, uh, at which point they found her. She was about 40 miles away, and she'd been shot in the head. Mm. And I believe that she was partially, if not completely, undressed. Uh, and this is going to be something that we're going to see in a lot of her, a lot of these cases. Level Most, of decomposition? Uh, pretty extensive, because it had been she'd five been months. She actually dumped five months ago. Not yeah, she had been out stored. in the open. So let's, you know, and I was going to talk about this later on, but let's do this now. All of these cases that we're going to cover, there's a huge problem with the recovery of any kind of usable information. In other words, the bodies are so decomposed because we're talking about South Texas. We're talking about humid, hot, it's marshland. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. conditions are not conducive to a body being preserved for any length of time. Yeah nature begins to work right away. So like things like DNA, we all just take this for granted that should be just all kinds of stuff, but that's not going to be the case. So knowing that as we go in okay. here, yeah. her and body... And that's also helpful to know, you know, when we talk about, sometimes we talk about stories where bodies were stored for five months and then dumped after the fact and they, you know, were pretty this well preserved. Not, yeah. But these, these this, bodies were all dumped Pretty, this, this pretty guy, quick yeah. after. Yeah, this this was not one of the guys that kept him around for an extended okay. period no. of time. That's worth yeah. mentioning. No, these these were not that kind of trophy situation. I believe is what you're you, is what you're referring to a lot of yeah. times when they're stored like that. But yeah. but yeah, so that's okay. that's kind of the scenario here. All right. So first victim is is Colette. Okay. Wilson, thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. So moving forward in time, two weeks later, and that's from the the time that Colette disappeared. Okay. Not her. Not the discovery of her body. Correct. Brenda Jones left her house. She was going to go visit a family member who was in the hospital. Uh, Her plan was to walk up I-45. This was the 1st of July. 
uh, and she didn't come home and her body was found the very next day. It was in Galveston Bay and she had been shot once in the head and her a slip, it's always described as a slip. I don't know if it's hers or just a random slip. You would think it would be hers. Had been stuffed in her mouth. We go forward in time another two weeks. So now we're in the middle of July and the killer, or I'm sorry, the beginning of August. This guy's not wasting any time. Not at all. We go to August 4th and 15-year-old Rhonda Johnson and 13-year-old Sharon Shaw disappear. At the same time? At the same time. So these two girls, they'd gone to the beach in Galveston uh, to celebrate, I believe Rhonda's birthday was like the next week. She was going to turn 14, and they were celebrating. The big one. The big one. Um, But witnesses say that they saw them at the beach, and they saw them leaving the beach, but they never made it home. Part of Sharon's body was found in Jan- on January 3rd, 1971, by two boys who were fishing in Clear Lake. Which what, is what? where? Uh, it's about 20 or 30 miles away at the most. It's hard for me to ex- answer this because there's so many away, different victims. Away from the Galveston Beach? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So, so it's not right next door to where they disappeared mm-hmm. from. Okay. Uh, and what part of her body? Is her head. Okay. Her decomposed skull. Okay. Uh, it was floating in the water when they found it mm-hmm. or just under the surface. Just the kind of thing you want to reel in when you're after a day of fishing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the boys reported that. And then through searches, it took about, it took several weeks. The rest of both Sharon and Rhonda's bodies were re- recovered. Uh, in the marsh next to the lake. And it was several weeks, or excuse me, it was several months after the recovery of the bodies that the police got a tip to look into a sex offender who was in the area by the name of Michael Lloyd Self. And we're just going to talk about Self briefly because he's one of the few times that somebody gets charged with a case. Okay. Uh, Mm. And there's some serious issues in it. Okay. I'm going to ask kind of a question i'm sorry if i'm jumping ahead here was sharon decapitated or was it decomposition and then like an animal carried her she was in a marsh you know i mean there's stuff there's critters and and decomposition happens as far as i am aware yes i mean if you think about it the vertebrae they're not exactly locked together very well especially when the flesh and tendons are gone true Mm -hmm. so that's why it would have gone away okay so self, uh, Michael Lloyd self was picked up and eventually he would be charged with the murders of these girls. Uh, there's a lot of questions about that particular conviction because he said he was held and beaten by the local police and then he was threatened at gunpoint by the chief to con- confess to it. And he eventually gave in and he confessed, but then he continued to tell his story, but the details morphed and they didn't line up right with the crime. Well, the, way, the description I heard of the interrogation was they, they made him, they gave him some paper and pen and they, they told him, okay, you know, he confessed and he writes it out. And then, the, and then the, the, the police said, no, 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 you got that detail wrong. Change that. And they kept making him modify his, his, yes. his confession. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not surprising his details kept changing. Yeah. I don't it, think he ever did it. No, uh, no. Yeah. And that's the thing is that he, he said that he was innocent his entire time in jail. This was 1971. He died in 2000 in jail, having fought this conviction the entire time. He there died of a, cancer. There was a, Forensic files on this. Well, not, this not this specific, but it was a very similar case where this guy got convicted because he had quote unquote confessed. And basically what 
they had found is the police had been sitting in the interrogation room and they'd said, you hit over, you hit her over the head, didn't you? You hit her over the head. And he'd say, yeah, you know, after like 15 hours of interrogation, he said, yeah. And they say, what, what'd you hit her with? And he said, my fist. And they said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) He said, a brick. And they said, nope. It had to have been something like a bat or something. He goes, oh, a bat. And they go, that'd work. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, how? Yeah. Oh and, my gosh! And, and unfortunately, I'm not. This is this is not to say that law enforcement intentionally does that today. But back in the day, there there was a different rule book. And what really makes me question the conviction against Michael Lloyd Self is that two of the cops who pushed him into his confession were arrested three years later for bank robberies that they had been committing over the years. So like these guys were crooked and dirty the whole way. Yeah. So I really feel like self was probably never guilty of, of the crimes. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, yeah, it is. Although that's a great little sideline. If you're a cop robbing banks. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, what you do is, you know, you you run around the corner and you rip off your, your mask and your, your coat and you come back, back around the corner wearing your uniform. Just make sure not to be carrying the bag with the big dollar symbol You got to dish the bag, but which way did they go? Which way did they go? Yeah. 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 That would, that would be, yeah, that is a perfect cover. It is. But, but we should probably get back to the girls in the story. I kind of like the robbery better. It's not quite so disgusting. Uh, I know, yeah. I know. We've got. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, there's four more girls that would disappear that year. So they disappeared, and we, it was 19-year-old Gloria Gonzalez. She disappeared on the 28th of October. Uh, she ended up being found 35 yards from where Colette Wilson's body the was first, found. The first. Body. The very first girl. Mm-hmm. 12-year-old Allison Craven disappeared on the 9th of November. She was found four months later. 15-year-old Debbie Ackerman and 15-year-old Maria Johnson went to the mall on the 11th of November, and then they disappeared, and their bodies were found in a body of water with their hands and their feet bound, and they had also both been shot in the head. I think one had been shot in the front, and one had been shot in the back of the head twice and then shot in the thigh. I can't remember which of the two girls. Mm. Um, so it's it's really strange that, you know, there's some of these bodies are shot, some are not. So it's, it's a weird shifting pattern right at the very beginning. I was just going to ask if Gloria Gonzalez looked younger. I believe she, she did. So that's have, that's right? a very okay. So that's that's a good question. And again, I was going to say this later, but let's do it now. Sorry. No, no. There's absolutely no reason that things that this bit of information needed to come up anywhere Great. in particular. Great. We're talking so far about girls ignoring Gloria for the moment. Mm-hmm. We've talked about girls who are 12 to 15 years of age, mm-hmm. and most girls at that age are very short in stature, and they tend to be, because they're little girls, they're rather petite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just I, just hitting puberty. They're just hitting puberty. So those growth spurts haven't happened. Mm-hmm. I believe, if I remember correct, that Gloria was a smaller girl. There are several others, as we come to them later on, that I will point out who are older in terms mm-hmm. of like Gloria, you know, this 19, 20, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they were rather small. So there does seem to maybe be a pattern There's in a pattern that. There. but. Okay. You know, right. again, it's, there's so many random things. It's yeah, hard to find as, a pattern. Yeah, and as far as, like, mode of death, it's not necessarily... Mm-mm. And also, always. the uh, he probably couldn't afford to be ultra, ultra picky because when you think about it, he's got to find himself at least one or two girls and no witnesses. 
or police anywhere around. Mm -hmm. Which, when you think about it, you know, finding that the, your ideal target plus nobody else around whatsoever like to witness once, this. Once or twice a month. Yeah, that often. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. he must have been like full time out there looking yeah. for victims. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah. And, yeah, uh, it is It is amazing how rapid this is happening mm -hmm. between girls. Yeah. Um, and again, this is another thing that I was going to talk about later, but let's do it now. You would think in this day and age today, this would be all over the news, and this would be all over the internet, and, and people we would, would tell their daughters know. to stay home. We yeah. all know, but yeah. this is 1971. The police departments don't talk to each other because it's all little towns with their own police departments. They don't talk to you one another. That would have been all over the place. In the yeah, news and, and stuff. but there was just this weird, complete, and utter lack of communication between news and, and media outlets and people from community to community and the cops themselves. So. I mean, they're they're disappearing from rather close, but not towns. But they're not the same towns. And then so, they're, but they're getting dumped kind of in the same area. Some of them they're getting dumped in that same corridor. Yes. Okay. So you would think people would notice, but people didn't notice this for sadly many many years. Mm. The the links were not made between a lot of these cases. That's in intriguing. That uh, it could be. A an entirely random thing, or somebody who's clever enough to know that you know I'll just hit a different municipality. And let you know, bureaucratic, you know, falling through the cracks and all that stuff. Nail yeah. on the head, my friend. Yeah, nail somebody, on the head. Yeah, somebody. Hmm, I wonder if it was somebody like a policeman or something. Well, let's let's know. keep going. We'll get into that bit later. All okay. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna keep moving on. So the last victims that we talked about were Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson. They mm -hmm. went to the mall, mm -hmm. didn't come home. Just over a year after that, 16-year-old Kimberly Pitchford left school on January 3rd, 1973, and she was never seen again. Her body was found two days later in a ditch, and her cause of death was strangulation, so there was no gunshot in this particular one. And then thankfully, after that, things cooled off for a couple of years, at least according to what we know or, or believe, because like I talked about, there's this lack of communication. And the other thing that was common practice at the time with the police department is if a young girl disappeared, the automatic conclusion by the police was that she ran away. Yeah. She just a runaway. Sorry, mom and dad, your daughter ran away. So no investigation would take place. So there's there's possibly more. Actually, I know there's lots more than just the particular list that I'm using. I know, Joe, you had printed out one of the lists. It's like yeah. 70 people long. Yeah, there's a lot of people disappeared. Some of them turned up, but of course, not necessarily the same killer. Right, and yeah. and some of them are on these lists. Some of them aren't. So it's it's hard to say that, oh, yeah, it cooled off for three years with any certainty. Yeah. It could have continued, and the links just weren't made. They yeah. may have been taken farther than the I-4. 45 corridor or they could just their bodies could have just never been found exactly could have right totally why possible decompos de decomposed not decompositioned yeah. ha decompo decomposted <laughs> yeah, yeah decomposted uh in you know a bog or an oil field or whatever mm -hmm. yeah he wasn't necessarily tossing everybody in the oil fields no yeah. no they're okay so here's Folks who have heard these kind of stories when I'm I'm running the mic are probably used to the fact that I will say, and there's X number more, and then I would just leave it at that with maybe a couple of highlights. But to kind of drive home the enormity of this whole thing, I have a list, and I had to resort to a spreadsheet. Yeah, you did. I did. Well. <laughs> and I'm going to grab the spreadsheet, and we're going to go through, because we have just talked about 
11 girls that have disappeared. Yeah, 11. I think 11 is what it is. Mm -hmm. The list that I have here has another 18 on it. So my list is almost 30 girls long. And like I said, there's other lists that are bigger than that. But we're going to go through the spreadsheet and I will keep this as brief as I can with just what are kind of the big highlights, where and when we need them. Suzanne Bowers disappeared on May 21st, 1977, uh, and her body would be discovered in March of 1979 in Altaloma, Texas. Brooke Bracewell, I don't know exactly when she disappeared, but her body would be found in April of 1981. She had been out with a friend that day, the day that she disappeared. And Georgia Greer. Georgia Greer. So or Georgia Gear. Gear, yes. So Brooke was 12. Georgia was 14. Both these girls' bodies would be found in Alvin's swamp, and they, they had been beaten to death. Heidi Fay, she was 23 years old. She disappeared on the 10th of October, 1983. Her body would be found on the Calder Road property in April of 1984 and Calder, when I say the Calder Road property, that's the quote unquote official 25 acre Texas killing field. Yeah. So that's the, the official sanctioned area. Sanctioned's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If you, you can actually easily find it. Uh, it's right behind that church. I can't remember the name of the church now, but uh, it's on the highway there. Yeah. I mean, if you type yeah. in Calder Road and yeah, Interstate 45, it. you'll find it pretty quickly. Uh, moving forward, there's Sanda Ramber. She was 14, disappeared on October 26th, 1983, and is still missing to this day. There's a Jane Doe that was found in this time in February 1986. And they're sure it's not Sandra? They are pretty sure it's not Sandra. We don't yeah. know who she is or where she came from. Uh, I, she's what we, the term we used before was the missing missing. We don't, nobody appears to even know she's missing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Laura Miller, she was 16, disappeared on September 10th, 1984, and was found... On the same day as Jane Doe. On the same... Yeah, I was just suddenly that caught me off guard. It's on the same day. Um, so Laura Miller, we'll talk about her briefly because she was last seen at a convenience store. A lot of them seem to have been last seen at a convenience There's store. There's two or three that were seen at a convenience store. I've gotten but, four so far. But what I want to talk about is Laura Miller is... So she disappeared, and her body was eventually found. And I, it was found on the, the Calder, on the actual killing field. Yeah. But her dad, Tim, is an interesting figure in this entire case. Oh, yeah. He got because, into it in a big way. Yeah, because Tim Miller, the man lost his daughter, and I get that. But he, he, he it's almost like he went on a crusade. He found a calling. He had to find the man who was responsible. And I'm not going to say anything against him having done that. He's done some great things. He started a company called Equisearch. They've gone all over the country, actually all over the world, using horses and boats to look for lost girls. Like, they do good work. Mm -hmm. But Tim has also done some very not good things in the search for his daughter's killer. And he has pointed the finger at some people and made some very, I would say, some very bad moves. And we're going to talk about those oh, in yeah. our theories when we talk about our suspects. Uh, he has expressed some regret for that, too. He has. It's <laughs> yeah. not like the man just believes he's never done anything wrong. He's no. a human being and he gets it. Yeah. But it's it's concerning to me some of his level of involvement at times. Mm. Back to the list. 
We have Shelly Sykes. She was 19. She disappeared on May 24th, 1986, and she's still missing. Her uh, car was found abandoned on I-45, and she's one of the ones I'll point out because she was four foot eleven and ninety pounds. So it would mm-hmm. kind of look like the profile of a preteen yeah. or early teenage Even girl. She was very 19. Small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Suzanne Renee Richardson disappeared on October seventh of nineteen eighty eight, and she was twenty two years old. She's also still missing. She was five foot eight and one hundred and forty pounds. So she's so an outlier. She's kind of an outlier here. Because I, I mean. I, she's tall. Yeah, I can't think of any like twelve-year-old girl that I've ever met that's also five eight. Uh, yeah. You know, I have a family member who at fifteen was about five eight or five nine. Five yeah, nine. I mean, it's possible. It's I mean, just, yeah. So it just depends know. on the person, but yeah, she yeah. is a bit of an outlier in, in our general profile yeah. we're building here. We go to Lynette Bibbs. She was fourteen. Disappeared on February first of nineteen ninety-six. She was found two days later. Uh, she was out with her friend Tamara Fisher, and Tamara, both of the girls disappeared at the same time, and both of their bodies were found on the same day, which is two days later. They were found on the side of the road in Cleveland, Texas. Uh, I had Shot got this one. Well, I, this, this is the one that I got mixed up with uh, the girls in the beginning because it was Tamara who was shot in the head and Lynette who was shot twice in the head and once in the leg. So I, I incorrectly said that earlier. Yeah, it's hard to keep them straight. There's a lot yeah. of killings here. There's another Jane Doe, and she was found in September of 91. Crystal Baker, she was 13. She disappeared on March 4th, 1996. From a convenience store. From a convenience store and would be found the very next day. So the convenience store is just like Laura Miller and Heidi Faye. Um, Crystal was beaten, strangled. What's that? Uh, Also Brooks in Georgia. Brooks Bracewell, Georgia Gear, also disappeared at the convenience store. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Crystal was found, like I said, she's found the very next day. She was underneath an under uh, highway overpass, and she had been beaten and strangled and sexually assaulted. So this is a case mm-hmm. where we it's obvious sexual assault because the body was found so fast. Mm-hmm. We move forward another year, and there's Laura Smither. She was 12. She was found or went missing on April 3rd of 1997 and would be found 17 days later. She left her house to go jogging and just disappeared. I'm sorry. I'm just shaking my head because, like, what 12-year-old girl are we saying? Like, yes, let's go out jogging by yourself. That does she, seem, yeah, she, kind of odd. Uh, so she wanted, she was, she was a ballerina. She wanted to be a ballerina, mm-hmm. like, for real life. And somebody said, you need to train. And one of the things you need to do to make your body stronger is to start running. All right. Yeah. That's why she started running. Okay. And mm. this... This unfortunately led to her demise. She was found in a retention pond in Pasadena. And she's actually... Go ahead. Is that in that area? Sorry. I just think of Pasadena, California. No, Pasadena, Pasadena. Texas. Again, it's within like a 20-mile radius. Yeah. So... Laura Smither is one of the first cases where there was enough media attention to the whole thing that the cops actually started talking to each other in all of those areas. And that's when they started putting this larger picture together and realizing there's a bigger problem than any one of us Mm -hmm. realized. Mm -hmm. 
there, there's, there's three more that I have here. One of them I was actually really hesitant to put on the list, and that is the next one, which is Tot Harriman. She is she really was, an outlier. She's completely an outlier because though she dis, she disappeared on I-45 because she was last seen driving on it, and it was the 12th of July of 2001, but she's 57, so she, she does not seem to match what we've been talking about so far in the demographic of these girls. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, she could have been small. There is Sarah Trusty. She was 23, disappeared on July 12th of 2002, and would be found just 14 days later. Uh, she'd been last seen riding her bike. She's another one, five foot five, 130 pounds. Again, kind of, kind of within the range, more so than I would say with Tot. Yeah, more than taught, but still kind mm-hmm. of an outlier. She's still on the outlier. And then the last one is going to be uh, Teresa Venejas. She was 16, disappeared on October 31st of 2006. So we've got, what, like 20 or no, 30 Almost years? 30. Almost 30 years of... I have almost four. That's 35 years. Is if it, it goes from 71 to 2006, that's yeah, 35, 35 years. Yeah. Gosh. Although it could have been more than one. It's possible that somebody like took over the reins. And there mm-hmm. were some gaps in there, too. Yeah. There's totally gaps in there. And I think we're going to have to talk about some of this stuff in terms of single versus multiple killers or uh, a rapist or abductors in the theory section. As I said, there's so little pattern between when they disappear. Like, it seems like the geography is one of the main things. Some are shot, some are not. Some have their hands bound and their feet bound. Some do not. Some are found fully clothed. Some are found fully naked. Some are completely decomposed. Some are just dumped so that they're able to be found the very next day. I mean, even the ones who disappeared from their cars, there's really no crime scene because though their car is there, there was no sign of real struggle. So it's it's extremely hard to figure out what in the hell is going on yeah. in this area. Well, you know, Something bad. And that's the interesting thing is that, well, you know, how do you get somebody 12 or to 57, whatever, to trust you and get in your car? How do you do that? I you don't always. When you're a total stranger. And well, I mean, I bet, but I mean, there's, 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 you know, a couple of types of people who could get the, who could actually do that, mm-hmm. like, like policemen. You know, there is that. Not there, that yeah, I, not that are, I want to anger yeah. any of our police no, listeners. I think uh, what you're getting at, Joe, is a figure of authority. Is yeah. a better way to say that. Could be a policeman. Could be a fireman. Yeah. Could be a paramedic. Could be any well, a, a road service worker. I mean, I there's mean, anybody who looks like they should be able to. They're responsible to help you. Well, yeah. or you know, a cop has an interesting position in a sorry we're like talking a little bit about theories right now but you know in the instances where cars were found abandoned you say you know a cop could have pulled them over and said you're under arrest and put them in the back of their car and you know most people aren't gonna resist too terribly much there's not going to be much of a crime scheme it's just going to look like there's a left behind car Mm -hmm. and then whoops i mean you know there's a lot of different stories you can tell as a cop you can say, you know, I, I'm here. My your parents sent me to take you home. You know, if she's 12, or if she's, you know, and in, in the 70s, family. that was not something that most pe- most kids knew was a bogus story. You know, yeah. there was a huge campaign in the 70s and 80s to not take candy from strangers and not let people tell you that the, your parents sent them. Yeah, to pick you up, cops. Yes, I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? There are certain figures that have always been quote unquote trustworthy mm-hmm. yeah. and that generally the population will do what they say. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Usually. So, okay, now that we've angered all our law enforcement listeners. No, no. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, it's again, it's it's a figure of authority or protection or help. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really what that boils down to. Yeah, that's that would account for a lot. It would. But it still doesn't prove damn thing, unfortunately. No, it, it doesn't prove anything. No. So what we have here is we have a theory section. Well, normally we would call this the theory section, but really today it's more of the suspect section. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our suspects. And we have a huge laundry list of scumbags that we're going to talk about here. Basically, we had a long list of bodies, and yes, now sir. we have a long list of scumbags. Yes. Yeah, not not every single one of them is necessarily a scumbag. Okay. There's, what there's, are, there's at least one guy on here that oh, I no, you're right. was not guilty. Okay. The very first guy is not a scumbag. Yeah, the rest of them so. I consider scumbags. Thank you, Joe. That's yeah. a good clarification. Yeah. So let's talk about the very first guy. That is Robert Abel. And he was brought to the attention of authorities. Uh, he lived in Texas. He lived in the uh, in the area actually lived... adjacent to the Calder Road killing fields. Yeah. And he was brought to unfortunately for him. Yeah. Uh. Brought to authorities' attention, 1989, maybe 1990, uh, and that he was brought to them by his soon-to-be third ex-wife. He owned a 11-acre property adjacent to the killing fields, um, and that's where Laura Miller and three other bodies were found. He initially participated in the searches, at least one search for bodies, and he he had a horse stable, and he loaned horses to the, the police to use to search for bodies. So from all from the outside, it looks like this guy is trying to do good. Uh, the by the way, the stable he ran was called Stardust Trails. Aww. So he seems like a good guy. Abel was a smart guy. I mean, he had worked for NASA for quite a few years, and he was part of the team that figured out how to get the Saturn rockets into space. Yeah, they, uh, so, they put rocket motors on them. That's what yeah. made the difference. Well, he was a literal rocket scientist. He was. Yeah, so that means he yeah. was actually very smart. Yeah. Uh, I underlined the word very when I said it yeah, there. Yeah, So, but, you know, I mean... People are people, and he was fallible, and he was married several times, and each of his wives said that he had anger problems, so he wasn't a perfect human. So he did this thing, which is very bad, is he threatened to beat each of his wives. He did the but good he, thing of actually he didn't not... didn't do it. Yes, he never actually struck them. Instead, he would always storm off. And sometimes he was gone for hours. I believe there's at least one instance where he was gone for a day. So he just he just left. He got away. Mm. But he never actually hit them. But he did hit his horses. He apparently would use poles and chains on horses when they made him angry. What a jerk. Yeah, is that, that's not standard operating procedure. Uh, no, absolutely no. not standard operating procedure with horses. It actually does not work. But Generally, standard operating procedure is never includes hitting things with chains. Or poles. Yeah, I would think or not. Poles. I would think not. Like, I yeah. can't think of a thing. Well, I know a motor or two that I've had, like a, you know, an actual combustion engine that I whacked it with a pole and it worked better, but that's the rare yeah. exception. All right. Yeah. I'll take Generally it. speaking, I would not, I would not whack a horse with anything because they're bigger than I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot bigger. Yes, yeah. they are. They really yeah. are. The, okay. So, so he's, he lives next to the property. He's a very, very smart guy. He's known to have this anger problem and he's known to strike animals. And he disappears 
when he's angry. And he so he can disappear when he's angry. Made him perfectly fit an FBI profile of the person who they believed was probably killing these young girls. I don't know, man. That's, that would fit a lot of people. It really would. Yeah. And, and this is where Tim Miller, um, Laura's dad, comes in because, unfortunately... Tim found out about this this semi match of Abel to the profile and he latched on and he totally went off the rails and he accused him to he he made such a stink with the police the police looked into Abel he made such a stink in the community that Abel was ostracized he went so far as to to mount these illegal searches and digs of the property around and then his Abel's property and then actually went on to Abel's property and had people digging looking for bodies like he yeah. did he did this and police actually searched his house at least one time and they yes. really turned it upside down yeah, the and whole, his property and yeah, found nothing the, the, for their part the police did their job they went they investigated and what did they find nothing squat So they stopped looking at him because there was nothing to support it. Tim Miller, on the other hand, he didn't. I mean, this, again, Tim Miller has apologized. He said he apologized to Robert Abel for this behavior. But unfortunately, what it resulted in was Abel being isolated from the entire community. The man would walk down the street and people would yell, kill her and get their daughters out of his way. That is how bad it was and how afraid people were of him because of everything that had been said. And all that happened really that he just happened to live next to where some bozo dumped some bodies, you know? And he happened also, to be good enough to try to help. Yeah. Yeah, also he beat his horses. And that he, sucks, he, yeah. He did yeah. bad things, but he didn't do them to these girls. Yeah. I don't think so. Like I said, Tim Tim uh, Miller, he, he says that he eventually apologized and that they talked and Abel understood, but the damage had been done. In 2005, Robert Abel died. Uh, he was driving a golf cart, and he drove his golf cart into the path of an oncoming train. That death was ruled an accident, though no. to me that smells quite a lot like suicide. I agree. But yeah. I don't know. But that's that's where everything about Abel ends, and he's one of the big ones that you'll hear about. Yeah. But, but because we... It was, we're officially saying stop it. Yes, Abel. Right. Abel was an innocent man in yeah. everything that I can tell. But if you if you do do a search on uh, this particular topic, his 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 name will come up in headlines. Oh yeah, there's yeah. a there's a huge article. One of the first articles I read about him, I was like, oh my god, why haven't they arrested this man? It was from like '96. It was a giant Texas Monthly article. I can't remember the author's name, and it was called "Is Robert Abel Getting Away with Murder?" I and saw it's that one of the one. first ones you find. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, why aren't they? And then I started reading everything after that and realized, you know, it was not what it appeared to be based on the information or the accusations that were made. Yeah. So let's move away from Robert Abel. Yeah. We're going to move on. He might have done it, but yeah. Very, very, very doubtful to me. We're going to say like one on a scale of one to a hundred. Correct. Okay. Next up, we have Kevin Edison Smith. He's got a middle name. He gets my vote. So everybody in this story, after Robert Abel, I use their middle name. Oh, they're all serial killers. Okay. Yes. Well, they actually all want me. 
You remember Crystal Baker? Yeah. yeah. She was the girl who disappeared in March of 96 and then was found in uh, under the overpass mm-hmm. yeah. uh, 40 miles away. She got into a argument with grandma and then ran away. She was also, she was seen at the, con- she's one of your ones, Joe, that was seen at the convenience store. Yeah. She was the using payphone. the payphone to call her mom is what she was doing. Well, because of what a screw up everything was between all of the local police departments, she was listed as missing for two weeks. Her family didn't know where she was for two weeks, even though they had found her body the very next day. Uh. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that the police could find at the crime scene to indicate who had killed her, and they had no leads. And so her case was cold for 14 years. Then, 14 years later, so that would be about 2010, there was uh, an investigator, somebody in the forensics office, and I cannot remember who this lady's, what this lady's name was, but for some reason she was looking at this case and she f- decided to send off the one, I think it was a dress that they had of Crystal's, and send it to the lab to just screen it for DNA. And lo and behold, they found actual usable DNA on it. Cool. And even better, happens. at the same time, Kevin Addison Smith, in Louisiana had been booked on charges and Louisiana law said, if you get booked and you get thrown into jail, we're going to take your DNA and drop your, your DNA into the system. And he was a, he was a match. Wow. To this case 14 years later, which is amazing. That's fortuitous. It's good. He didn't get arrested like a month later in a different state. If he'd been arrested in a different state that didn't have this law, we may never know this. So the Texas police department, they get involved and they, they interrogate him about the case. And, at first, he he says that he, he doesn't have any knowledge of it. He doesn't know what they're talking about. But slowly but surely, and then eventually he, he admits to it. And he says he never sexually assaulted her, which we know is a lie because she was sexually assaulted. Well, I mean, technically. Technically, I guess she could have had sex prior to him killing her. Is well, that what you're getting have, at? She could have been sexually assaulted either before. By you know, I don't know. He could have not killed her, I guess, technically, or some some mm, some really did. horrible human could have come along and been like, "Oh, a dead body," and done uh, necrophilia. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or you know, she could have been assaulted before. It could have mm-hmm. been. Yeah, there. You're right. That would be rather opportunistic. I, I'm like, going to put my money on the fact that he's a liar. Okay, that's so fair. So let's just keep running with that if yeah, you're okay fair, with that. Totally fair. Okay. He probably is. Okay. So, Although I guess if you admit to murdering them, I don't know why you wouldn't also admit to sexually assaulting, but whatever. Uh-huh. Fine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is why I'm putting my money on it. Yeah. Okay, so he he said that, like I said, he, he says he never assaulted her, but he said he did give her a ride. And he admits that in that day, and that not necessarily that day, but that time frame of his life, he was drinking a lot and he was doing a lot of drugs. And so he doesn't remember exactly what was going on. But he remembers that, uh, quote unquote, she started freaking out and hitting and punching him. Maybe that's because he was trying to rape her. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's yeah, that's kind of what I would think <laughs> yeah. was going on. He probably wasn't driving when this was happening. And he said that his response was to strangle her. And then then she was dead. And then he decided, I don't know what to do. So he dumped her body. And he drove her body many, many miles away. So it almost makes you wonder, like he had seen this spot before, is a good place to dump a body. Mm -hmm. It's a little funny that he took that that corpse so far. Again, that's what I'm saying is like, I don't necessarily know why you wouldn't, why you would say, yeah, I strangled her and then dumped her body, but but I didn't. I didn't rape her. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Why? Well, I mean, fine. yeah. I mean, the thing to do with just DNA to say, yeah. I mean, she was willing. We had sex, you know. And, and then I dropped her off. And then now we had on the sex. corner. Now we had sex, and then she freaked out, and I had to strangle her to death, and then I had to get rid of the body. You know? No, no, the, the, yeah. Devin's right. The smart money would be to be like, well, yeah, you found DNA. I was with her, and then yeah, I dropped her off. And She said that was her stop, so I let her out, and mm-hmm. I drove on my way. Yeah. Yeah, that would be another way. Yeah. yeah. Now, this guy, how he managed to avoid the, the death penalty, I will not know, but he, he did manage to do so. So he is currently serving 40 years in prison. 40? Yeah. Not even life. Okay. No, no, it's mm. a 40-year sentence. Yeah, that's how long he's in there. But the thing that Joe has pointed out and we're going to talk about now is the convenience store angle because mm. if you remember Laura Miller back in 1984 also disappeared from the front of a convenience store. And there's yeah. a couple other girls. Laura Miller actually disappeared from the front of the same convenience store as Crystal. But there's a couple others who disappeared from the fronts of convenience stores. And this guy, you know, he was strangling women and he strangled this girl at least. And we know that he was in the area. We also know that he was living, oh God, I think it was over the course of 20 years. He lived in 17 cities in four different states. Hmm. So he was he was a, a rambling man is what I was going to say, but he was he was he was roaming around doing work. So it's entirely possible that there are girls in this age bracket who were strangled in these cities where he lived and he could be responsible. Sure. Unfortunately, to Play the other side of the coin. There's girls in other cities where he did not live who were in this age bracket who were who died by strangulation. So we just because that happens, we can't say yeah. it's him. Mm-hmm. A lot but, of that going on, unfortunately. Yeah, but they are they, they did run his DNA, and that's the hard part. Like we talked about, so many of these bodies, they're in a marsh or they're in a ditch for yeah, months. There's no good evidence. There's no, no good DNA evidence. left. No. It's hard as hell to get anything that's usable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, we've talked about uh, Kevin Edison Smith enough, so let's talk about Henry Lee Lucas. Oh, that guy. Yeah, so Henry Lee Lucas, he's a self-confessed serial killer. Yeah, he uh, he's thought to have exaggerated some of his uh, the number of his kills just a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I yeah. believe uh, we'll get through it, and we'll talk about here the, the number that he claims, but he was arrested in Texas uh, in June of 1983. Uh, that's when he really kind of came onto the radar in Texas for this kind of stuff. When he was 15, he ran away from home. I mean, don't get me wrong. His home life was horrible. Um, mm. His family was terrible. I mean, his mother was a prostitute, and she made him watch her with clients. Like, this is not the good mm-hmm. upbringing Mm-mm. that a, a boy should have. Yeah. So that any child should have. Yeah, any child should have. So... I mean, I, I, you can understand why the kid left, but he says that he killed for the first time in 1951 when a girl refused his sexual advances. He then would go on in 1960 to kill his own mother with a knife. Uh, he said he didn't realize he had stabbed her yeah, at he first. Said, he said, I know, I, I heard the story. It's like he, he was like, you know, I just hit her, you know, and then I looked down and I saw the knife in my hand and I was like, oopsie. And that's essentially, that really was his story. He didn't say oopsie exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he uh, he did end up going to jail for that or prison. Yeah. He served ten years for that crime. <laughs> 
technically he was supposed to serve 20 to 40, but unfortunately the there was this push to early release because there's prison overcrowding. So right. he got and, out early. And the man who stabs his, his mother. mother to death is really the best candidate <laughs> yeah. for yeah. early release program. Although yeah, they, they probably looked at it as an abusive situation where he's not likely to go out randomly killing people left and right. Oh, no, but the problem but. was his story didn't match up because he said, you know, like you said, he, he realized the knife was in his hand and he said, oh, look, she's dead, and he ran away. Except and his sister, she wasn't, sis- she she wasn't, wasn't dead. actually I dead. Know. His sister came and found their mother still alive, but she did not, she didn't live, live long enough to get to the hospital. Mm. Like the guy, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. So really nice guy. A really nice guy. So he gets out. This would be 1960. Uh, in 1971, no, it would be he, 1970. Or excuse me, 1970. He went in in ni- around 1960. He got out around 1970, and then in 1971, he was convicted of attempting to kidnap three girls, uh, and. After he yes, I'm sorry. And then after they let him out for a second time, know, thinking yeah. this guy is gonna just be real rehabilitated, no problem. Yeah, yeah. And after he after he got out from the conviction of of trying to kidnap those three girls, he, he continued to to beat and kill. Yeah. Uh, he was arrested Surprise. in 19, yeah, not really. He was arrested in 1983 on charges of unlawful possession of a firearm, and that actually quickly grew into a larger charge uh, for the murders of both Frida Powell uh, and Frida was a girl that he had met. uh, I believe he met her in Florida. She's described as having quote unquote intellectual impairment. So I don't know where she is on the range of impairments, what that means, Mm -hmm. but he had convinced this girl to travel with him and he treated her like a girlfriend until he grew tired of her. How old was he at this point? Oh, he is. So he, uh, he was born in 39, I think, or 36. Yeah. He's in his, his early third. Oh no. He's, uh, in his forties at this point. Dating a 15 year old. Healthy. Yeah. 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 yeah, Absolutely. So, so he, he's, he is charged for, with killing Frida Powell, he's also charged at at the same time with killing a pastor who had given him work and allowed him to stay in a building that his religious movement owned. So like he's all around, just not a just, nice guy. Just murdering people. And this is where what Joe was talking about when we first talked about Henry Lee Lucas comes in is that once he got arrested, he and he confessed to the first ones. He started confessing to everything. Yeah. His confessions, initially at least, seemed to be have related to the crimes that he committed. But then he started com- admitting involvement and guilt in crimes that were unsolved. And he seemed to be really good at filling in some details. So people kind of thought that it was him. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it seems like he's probably been discredited almost everything that he's admitted to because he claimed credit for like 300 murders. That's yeah. crazy. Some, yeah, somebody did the math on a lot of these murders and it would have it required him to like drive for like a year, drive 370 miles a day. Mm-hmm. To get around to all these places to commit these murders, and so yeah. obviously, I'm sure he killed lots of people. He, you know, but what, I, not I, as many as he confessed I, to. I hate to admit, you're right. He probably did kill a bunch of people, yeah. and he would have been traveling through the area between Houston and Galveston. So it's possible that he could be involved in one or two of the deaths. Yeah, but 
it's really tough to say. And he's, I mean, in a way, he's done a really great job of clouding himself in just disbelief. You know, nobody believes him. So when somebody suggests, oh, I wonder if he did it, everybody's like, no, that guy admits he did everything. There's no way we can trust him to be usable. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there is a little game theory in that. If you start claiming responsibility for everything, eventually people will not believe you. In the time that you are actually responsible, nobody will believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's he got to lose or gain? I don't know. But these guys, guys like this are so weird because they start admitting this stuff just so they can get the, the, the body count, the number to yeah. go down in history. Well, one thing I will just say is this is 83, right? That he got arrested, that he starts admitting to a bunch of murders. Yeah. 83. So like most of these women didn't really disappear. I mean... There's a slew of them in the seventies. There's a yeah, but, but the thing half. is, remember he's but remember he's in jail. Yeah, he's he in jail for a lot jail. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I say he might be maybe culpable for one or two, but that's that's kind of stretching. Well, no, he was he was out. Oh, I don't know how long he was in jail for the kidnap of the three girls. I guess. Yeah, I I don't yeah. have that here, and I yeah, don't I mean, I don't think he's the I don't think he did it, but you know, it's hard to say. Hard to say. Uh, uh, well, let's kick him to the curb. Okay, no, let's, Henry. Uh, let's kick him all to the yeah. curb. Very hard. Uh, let's let's move on. We're going to move on to the one here that is titled "Unnamed Man in 1980." If you I know two, where you got this one? Yeah. This okay. So I I again, this is one of those I really hesitated to include, but Dagnabbit, we include them all. So okay. Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. If you remember, those were the two girls who went to the beach in Galveston in 1971 and then never came home. Yeah. And Michael Self was the guy who was convicted of, of murdering these two girls. Yeah. Well, according to Unsolved Mysteries, and it's all it's li- listed in their wiki, some man came forward in 1980 and went to the police, and he admitted that he was the one that did it, and he gave details that weren't released, such as the fact that the girls were apparently bound with electrical cords. But the, according to this... They say, oh God, how do they describe him? They say that he, they, they make a statement about his mental, mental health. And I cannot remember the, the verbiage that is used, basically mm-hmm. saying that he was um, not having visions, but he was delusional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But my problem with that is, A, it came from Unsolved Mysteries, so I don't, and I haven't seen it anywhere else. So I have a hard time with it. I mean, they actually did do their own independent investigations often. They did, although it'd be nice, sometimes it's nice to spice things up a little bit. Not saying they did that, but totally, my, yeah. my, my point is, if this guy had details like that, don't you think there would be record of it somewhere? Of somebody like actually saying, oh, we're going to investigate this guy? Like, don't you think that uh, Self would have somehow heard of this and they would have tried to track down the records of this to exonerate that poor guy who still was sitting in jail at that point almost 10 years for a crime he didn't commit i feel like there may have been some sense of i don't know this guy seems like he might not be totally mentally there so realistically he's gonna get sent he's gonna get committed not sent to prison and well we've already convicted this guy of it and like i don't know he might be guilty even if there's some questions about it and i i there may just be a sense of like well we already got there's already somebody who's rotting for this case so 
Screw it. Yeah. Could have been. That is. You know. I, I got to tell you that as a taxpayer, if that's the opinion of the police force, with my tax dollars is what well, we got somebody locked up. So screw it. We're not going to figure it out if we did it right. That's not really a good attitude to have. I agree. Um, yeah. I would be. I, that makes me very upset. I agree. I'm just. Well, to, even if I weren't paying taxes, I, I wouldn't be happy about that, frankly. Well, but. I know there was a year or two that you didn't, but... Uh-huh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, IRS uh, listeners. Hey, um. yeah, yeah, yeah. forget you heard that. Uh, yeah, and as far as the detail about uh, tying them up with electrical cord, I mean, that's not that bizarre. It could have just been a major, you know, you could have been delusional, confessing to a crime he didn't commit. We're going to move to our next suspect in our laundry list of suspects. This is number five in this giant list that I created. Uh, Okay. We have William Lewis Reese. William Lewis Reese committed his first crime when he was caught and charged in 1986 uh, for picking up a 19-year-old girl in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. He did that with pretense of giving her a ride. Uh, Instead, he abducted and raped her for several days in the sleeper cab of a semi. Okay, first of all, let's just go ahead and say he probably didn't commit his first crime at that time. His That's first just... crime for getting a, that he was ca- caught yeah. for is yeah. the way that I meant to phrase yes. that. That's a better way to look at it. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, oh, oh, well, this this girl, she she managed to escape under the pretense of using a bathroom or something. I can't remember what Smart. it was. And then he, while, and then he got charged for doing this crime. Mm-hmm. And while he was awaiting trial... Like out on bail? Yes. While he's out on bail for this rape case, he raped another woman that he had met in a bar. But what? This guy seems to have a compulsion. Uh, maybe. Uh, he was sentenced to 25 years in prison for the first rape. I, I think that he was sentenced for... T- maybe it was 25 years total. I can't remember at the moment, but... 25 years, nonetheless, this guy should be locked up and kept away from the general populace. Yes. Yeah, not so much. Uh, He only served 10. He only served 10 years of that sentence. He was then again put uh, into jail in 1997 for kidnapping a woman. Uh, Just like Kevin Edison Smith, when he was put into jail in 1987, his DNA was put into the system and checked against other cases. And after that, he started getting linked to other unsolved c- crimes and cases. So this guy, he, he went about this. He, he wanted to avoid the death penalty because he was in jail, if I remember right, in Oklahoma. Maybe it was Louisiana. I can't remember which one it was. One of those southern. But, but it has the death penalty. And his deal was, uh, you don't put me on death row. You don't try me for murder, uh, and and I'll go ahead and I'll help you out. That's not an uncommon deal, actually. It's not. Well, and so he led investigators into the field, and he took them to where the body of Jessica Kane was. Uh, she had disappeared in 1997. Was she on our list? Yes, she was. Okay. She was one of the last ones we talked yeah. about in that that in that 30 person list. Uh, he also took them to where the body of a girl named Kelly Cox was. She had gone missing around the same time as Jessica, though she wasn't actually on our list. Kelly wasn't. Jessica was. Jessica was the was seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He is also believed to be connected to the disappearance of twelve-year-old Laura Smither. She's she the one a ballerina. Who went, yeah, the one who went jogging. Why is that? Why is he suspected of that? There are links in his pattern and his travels that make people think 
that oh. he was in the area when it happened. Oh, okay. Good the, but, but it's obviously it's nothing concrete because he has not been charged with her death. Uh, but they think that he might be involved in that. I mean, but if you think about it, the guy was he was driving a truck. He was driving all he was driving from Galveston all the way up into Oklahoma. What's the the main city in Oklahoma City? <laughs> wow, Steve. Wow. Yeah. Good job. Well done. Yeah. Um, he was driving all from north to south along that route, driving a truck on, all the time. On Interstate 45. Well, Interstate 45 is part is yeah. the route between Houston to Galveston. So yeah. he's on that road. And if he's he's just out and about stealing girls and raping and killing them, then again, just like we said before, it's possible that he could be involved with at least one or two others that are on our list that just didn't get any recoverable DNA. Yeah, the ones mm-hmm. that uh, were not out, were outside the killing fields, but somewhere else along I-45. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked about this a little bit before, and let's give a little more description of what's going on in terms of what it has to be like for these poor girls because you think well they're on the side of the road or they're near the road like they should be able to run and scream and no. get help yeah, like, but no. there's nobody else out there they're, well it's it's oil fields active and abandoned it's giant expanses apparently it is amazingly windy so you can yell at somebody 50 feet away say and they'd have no idea cars are whizzing by on the interstate you, couple hundred yards away they're not going to see what's happening i mean one of the cops in this in uh, the smither case was talking about the fact that you could literally get off the freeway drive off the uh the off-ramp down a dirt road drive for five minutes you are now in a complete and total seclusion drop a body drive back onto the, the freeway and be gone and no soul would be the wiser yeah. for months on end. And the only reason they would know is because they found the body you dumped. Yeah. So this is, this is the kind of situation. This is why, so I know some people are going, how is this possible? This doesn't make any sense. It is pretty just, easy. Actually. Super it's easy. such a rural area. It's, yeah. it's just a stretch of road that is a freeway with a couple of little towns dotting it. And then it's marshes and dirt roads. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. So it's it's why these girls are so hard to find. Yeah. Um, okay, so off of that soapbox or whatever it was that I was on there for the moment. Uh, yeah. I think um, William Reese is a pretty good... I think that this guy is probably responsible for a couple of them. The fact that yeah. he... Okay, it didn't happen right away, but in watching the what happened and it evolved in his willingness to cooperate... I would call that a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, hell, they're going to figure out all the ones that I did. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to roll over. He folded like a cheap suit and he went ahead and he told them what he needed well, to, to make sure that they didn't kill him. Yeah, and he, also he didn't his... need to lead him to every single body, just a couple of them. Right, I mean, but um, his ability to lead them to certain bodies. Oh, yeah, he, it sounds like he definitely... did Definitely. You know, I it's probably likely that he's responsible for the majority of the strangled bodies in and that maybe area. maybe not the shot ones, you think? And maybe not the shot ones. Yeah, yeah I, so that's the weird thing is the ones that were shot, I've never, I've never found anybody who followed that pattern of steal a girl and then once he has committed whatever, whatever acts he was intending to commit with her, his method of getting rid to, to kill her was to shoot her in the head. Like none of these guys that we're talking about match that. 
Yeah. It's a it's a weird thing in the early pattern. Yeah. Of of these deaths. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, the uh, the shots to the head, what, what caliber of gun were they? They were smaller caliber, if I remember like right. I, I want something. to say that I read once that it was a twenty two that they were shot in the head, but I cannot be sure of that, Joe, because I, I've been reading about this, obviously, for a while, and then it was about four or five days ago, I was like, what? Crap, what caliber was it that they were killed with? And I started going back, and of course you know how this is. Suddenly you can't find it anymore. Yeah, totally. Because the internet has deleted that information from itself so that I cannot answer that question. Yeah, alas. Stupid uh, internet. So are there any more suspects? Oh, yeah. Great. It's uh, the Kool-Aid man should break in right now and say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there were a ton of suspects in this thing. I mean, I was I was compiling a list of my own, and it looks like you didn't miss anybody, but my list was getting pretty long. I was uh-huh. like, wow. This is, yeah, I yeah, almost had to suspects. go to a spreadsheet of suspects. Yeah. <laughs> and that just rubs me raw. I don't want it to make a spreadsheet of these people. Yeah. Ugh. I have a hard enough time having them on my computer as it is. Okay. We're going to go to the next guy, which is Edward Harold Bell. God, Bell's a weirdo. Bell showed up in Pasadena, Texas on the 24th of August, 1978. He was in a neighborhood. He got out of his truck in front of a bunch of children who were playing, and he didn't have any pants on. He thought he was a cartoon duck. Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. No maybe. pants, no underwear. He he is just... Uh, there's a phrase for when you wear only a shirt, and I'm actually not going to say that. That's what he was doing. There's a guy by the name of Larry Dickens. Larry's mom yells to him and says, listen, slow that guy down. Don't let him get near the kids and delay him long enough for the cops to get here. So Larry Dickens does that. He's a stand-up guy, and he gets in his way. He eventually takes Bell's keys out of Bell's truck, at which point Bell loses it. He shoots Dickens uh, a couple of times with a pistol, Larry Dickens runs away. Uh, he runs into the garage of his mom's house and he collapses. His mom is holding him. Bell comes up and demands the car keys or the truck keys back. Larry gives him the keys, at which point Bell shoots him point blank in the head while his mother is still holding him uh. and then walks back to the truck. And while this seems not normal, you would not think at this really. point he would then get in his truck and drive away. No, he grabs a rifle and he comes back and he continues to shoot Larry in the face. Nice guy. Yeah. He he. then at this point he tries to get away. And he it takes he like, probably should have like not come back with the rifle if he I, really wanted to get yeah. away. Yeah, if he was trying to probably flee. Probably wouldn't have gotten then, away anyway. Yeah, that, that was a bit excessive. A bit. A bit, yes. Understatement of the year on my part. So he tries to get away. The cops catch him in like 20 minutes. The, he didn't do uh, any uh, very good job at all of trying to escape. But this is a part, this next part is what really puzzles me. Well, I, what, the brutality of the case? Because, I mean, no. they bring him back and his sister, Larry's sister IDs him and, you know, oh, the the release. Okay, they let yeah. Him go. Okay, yeah, they, they let this bozo go. They charge him and they release him on bail and he's gone. What a surprise. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. No no guano. He is gone and he is at large for a total of 14 years. Bell is eventually rest, arrested in Panama in 1993. There is a Panama Florida, yeah. Panama City, I think Florida. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think it is. It's Panama City, Florida. I just realized we're like, wait, not 
Panama the country. Yeah, yeah. It was Panama the city, and I yeah. believe it was in Florida in 1993. And at that point, he was sentenced to 70 years uh, in prison. Just 70, though. Just 70. Again, not life. But again, he begins, they begin to look at his history and his pattern. And they believe that he might actually be the one who was involved in the murders of Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. Again, mm-hmm. the girls who went to the beach. Yeah. He's he's another one that this guy he he fills in details in unsolved mystery or unsolved murders, and he starts confessing to things. And initially, he claimed that he had killed seven girls. He then changed that number in 2011 to 11 girls. And a guy like this who makes his own catchphrase, I really, God, I really worry that this guy is watching The Apprentice in prison Mm -hmm. to come up with a catchphrase like this because his his catchphrase is the 11 that went to heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's mm. disturbing, but he also, he makes, again, this is one of those things like these crazy claims. He begins, uh, he's always actually said that it wasn't his fault. It was yeah. the government's fault. Yeah, they, they brainwashed him. They yeah. brainwashed him and they programmed him and they forced him to be a flasher and to rape girls and to want to kill them. Yeah. He um, seems like a good suspect for the girls that were shot. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he did like to shoot people. Did like to shoot people. Yeah, yeah. He so actually, I guess I misspoke earlier. He is suddenly flailing firearms. Yeah. You know who he actually makes me think of is reading his case. It made me think that maybe he was loosely the basis for uh, the movie Mister Right. Yeah. Either of you seen that? It's a Sam. I haven't Rock- seen that movie. No, I, I have. I, it looks kind of intriguing. I just it's a Sam Rockwell it. movie, and it is a lot of fun. I I saw the description and I was really hesitant and then my wife and I sat down and watched it and normally in my house I'm known for picking really bad Netflix titles why did you pick that movie that was a horrible movie yeah she actually laughed through it to the point she's like okay yeah. that one was good yeah. Sam like Rockwell it. I mean you can't go wrong with Sam Rockwell yeah sure I'm whoever he is <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, who he is yeah oh yeah next up next up yeah we have Clyde Edwin Hendrick um, okay, so Hedrick, I think Hedrick. You're right, not Hendrick. Yeah. Hedrick. So this one and the next one, I'm going to tell people if you are in a position to do so, please pause and Google this guy and look at his mugshot. He is a Texas resident, and he looks like he has lived in the backwoods of Texas for many, many years. It's mm-hmm. an amazing mugshot. Yeah, but. Clyde, in 1985, was questioned in the investigation of the death of a woman by the name of Ellen Ray Beeson. And initially, they they didn't know that she was murdered. They just knew that she died and something didn't add up. Uh, and then 20 years later, uh, so they, they charged him with tampering with a corpse. And then 20 years later, they exhumed her body and they reinvestigated the case and they figured out what was going on. And here's what was going on. According to to Hedrick, he and Beeson had been out drinking and then they had gone to some place and she had gotten naked and went skinny dipping and then she drowned. Not with him, she didn't. And then... That could have been a smiley face killer thing. Could have been. Yeah. When she drowned, he went in to help her, but when he got her body out, she realized she was dead. So he panicked and he threw her in the back of his truck and he looked for a place to dispose of her body and eventually dumped her body. That totally makes sense. When they exhumed the body, uh, this... 
the description of the case says that when it was in the initial autopsy and body review done, she was not cleaned enough. I believe that that means they did not get enough brain out of her skull to be able to tell this stuff in the x-rays. But when they exhumed her body and they did a good job, they figured out that part of her skull was caved in because she'd been clubbed in the head with something, Mm. which means he had clubbed her in the head and killed her. And that's why he panicked and dumped her body. So why are we talking about this guy well, the problem, the reason is, is that what he did is where he dumped her body was near Calder Road, the Calder mm. Road property, the, the killing field. He he threw her body, it's reported under a couch, So the, uh, the, but yeah. it's also in other reporting said that it was actually just a bench car seat, the, mm. the back seat of a car. So Got yeah, it. This, this is also a dumping ground for stuff other than bodies. Apparently, Apparently so. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's an abandoned chunk of ground, so yeah. not really surprising. Yeah. Um, so that's why he's he's brought up in this. I got to tell you that there's not a whole lot of linkage in terms of him to this place other than that one thing. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the yeah. few people that I know of who got charged for the same crime twice and convicted in two different ways. Yeah. So it goes down the books that way, but, uh, I don't think a guy that looked like him would have had an easy time of it trying to get, uh, girls to climb into his car voluntarily. Not, not in the the later years of his life, not the 20 years later, but yeah. Okay. Well then let's go to one of our final ones here. Bobby Jack. I like Bobby this guy. Jack Fowler. Oh, you I do remember like Bobby Jack. Oh yeah. Yeah, we uh heard about Bobby Jack from uh My Favorite Murder. Yeah, yeah we were yeah, at their yeah, show yeah. here in Portland. Yeah. George and Karen talked yeah. about him. So this guy this guy actually I consider him a contender for best mugshot ever. Yeah. Again, this is another one. Please so Google good. this guy's it's mugshot. Good. You will you will have a little fun at his expense, and that is perfectly okay. It's totally okay. Given uh, the kind of human he is. Yes. Was? But I don't know if he, he was a human to be quite honest i think he might have actually been a mole person or a reptilian or whatever it is you want to call him because he was another terrible human being oh yeah he was a very prolific serial killer Mm -hmm. Uh, he's one of the ones that's not so famous as like you know we've all everybody's heard of henry lee lucas and ted bundy but this guy's a little more obscure but he killed a lot of people he did he did a lot lot of killing so Bobby Jack Fowler was a construction worker, and he traveled across the U.S. Uh, He looked for work. Uh, He also apparently at the same time was looking for women to have unconsensual sex with uh, and then possibly kill. The man was all over this country. He uh, He's known to have been in British Columbia, Florida, Iowa, Louisiana, Texas, Oregon, South Carolina, Arizona, Tennessee, and Washington State. Literally all over this continent. Mm-hmm. Well, the northern all over the it. western yeah. part of it, anyway. Well, the the well, northern Louisiana's not. I guess Louisiana. Louisiana's kind of east. Of Louisiana. Yeah, this yeah. is not northern. South Carolina's yeah. on the other coast. Come Arizona? on, buddy. Arizona. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, okay, so according to what I've read, he starts his criminal career in 1969 uh, with a murder charge in Texas that didn't stick. And I, I don't, I don't want to try and get into this guy's psyche, but it is said, and I, I'm going to emphasize the word said, because I don't know that he ever said this himself, but it is said that he believed that quote unquote, women he came into contact with who were hitchy, hitchhiking and, or hanging out in bars 
wanted to be sexually assaulted. Oh, They're asking a, for it. That's some pretty ironclad reasoning. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so this guy. I mean, obviously, already you're you're. It, it's pretty non. Nobody likes this guy. He was put into jail for the final time in 1996, uh, based on what happened on June 28, 1995, when he was with a woman in Newport, Oregon. He was in a hotel. She jumped out of the second story window of the hotel to escape him. She still had a rope tied around her ankle. Uh, she got to the police. She told the police what was going on. Obviously, she was not there under by her own choice. She was there under duress. And then they arrested him. And they took his DNA. He thankfully died in 2006. Uh, he died in prison. Uh, but his DNA has linked him to several cases uh, he, all over the country. I know this one's on our list, but there is the high, uh, is it the Highway of Tears? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's the Highway of Tears in British, yeah. in British Columbia. Yeah. It, so he's linked to at least one case up there through DNA. Uh, he's also believed to be responsible for the death of four girls in the Newport, Oregon area back in, I believe it's the mid-80s or maybe it's the early 90s. Uh, again, there's so many of these guys, it's hard to keep all yeah. of their various crimes straight. He liked to travel. He, I think he called himself a rambling man. I think that's where I got that phrase early. He liked to say he was rambling about. Yeah, well, but he liked to travel. He liked to rape. He liked to kill. He liked to drink. He was just awful. Yeah. He was all around just a terrible guy. But Well, the guy, yeah, I got to hand it to him, though. He, he knew what he wanted, you know, and he just went out and got it. Uh, I wouldn't say I've got to hand it to him. I yeah. would say we need to take it away from him because well, that guy shouldn't yeah. have been doing what he was doing. Oh, absolutely. No, he should have been put in a cage a lot earlier than he was. He got away with murder for a long time. No pun intended. No, literally. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the fact, he he is he is a one that he actually seems to be gaining some traction in terms of people knowing about him because of being linked to these things in various places yeah. and i can't say that i that he's not responsible for any of these things in texas he ah, could very but, well be but i can't see him really sticking around for years you know he might have been well, but, responsible for some of them but, but that's uh, why not the entire series i don't think well but they they have such large gaps in between them yeah it could have been you know, he came he and went came yeah and went and came and went, and came yeah, and could went. Have he was doing what he was doing he just wasn't doing it in the same city and state the whole time yeah. so yeah. the path is not connected the connecting the dots it just never happens yeah, yeah. It's hard oh. to say. Uh, I'd, I'd really like to know how, exactly how many people old Bobby Jack did kill. I, I think, don't think we'll ever know. No, I was going to say, Bobby so. Jack's the only one who will know, and, you, and he obviously wasn't going to talk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was in jail for a good 10 years before he died, and he never spilled the beans. So, mm. yeah. No, no telling. Um, uh, so our final one is actually, it's actually a theory, though it's a very simple one, which is that it was all of these guys... Or it was none of these guys, sure. or it was a single guy. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is the general discussion area. It, we don't normally do this. We don't this, know. It could have been but, though. But I mean, yeah. If you think about it, it's entirely possible that uh, each uh, some of these girls were killed by the same person in the groups or clusters, and that accounts for all of them. It's possible that none of them were killed by these guys, except for the ones who we know, like Bobby Jack yep. and um, Ken, whatever his name is. Kevin. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. That, yeah, Kevin. yeah, that yeah, that we know by DNA, but 
I mean, maybe all the ones I've talked about so far, they're not it. Maybe all of the other ones, this is the scariest story. The part of the story is maybe they're all the same guy and he's just doing it different all the time. Or Mixing it up, yeah. Yeah, or as Joe said, he's some kind of authority figure. You know what? To be honest with you, it's scarier to think that they're all done by different people. True. That's even scarier to me that there are that many people men or women mm-hmm. who during this time period for whatever reason kill young women and then just dump their bodies into swamps like that's mm-hmm. the scariest theory to me is that there are 30 individual yeah or what 20 you know i guess 25 if well, you, the, no, the couple that like well you know, but but like together. joe said earlier you know he looked at another list and i mean th- that list was 50 girls deep that's the Very scariest long. 50 or 60 something yeah. that, so, that none of them are really connected and it, it probably is more than one person i think i mean I some of the so mo's too. varied enough like the, you know whoever did all the gunshots to the head Probably, uh, the probably the same person, you know. Uh, the strangulation is probably maybe somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I probably like two or three. I like, I like the idea that if it was a cop, you know, he's he's like, you know, well, I don't like it in the sense that I enjoy it. Don't get you me wrong. like it as a good as a theory. theory? Well, yeah. So he's 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 want to go, wants to go do a little killing, so he goes to the evidence room and just grabs a gun there that's been checked into evidence. Goes out and murders somebody with it, and then just brings it back and puts it back in evidence. Yeah, you know, I mean, he could have done something. I doubt that he would do that. That's taking a big risk. That's a giant risk, actually. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. If it's already is. in evidence. Yeah, it kind of is, but still, you know, I mean, that what a great way to get rid of your weapon. Yeah, no, what yeah. you're what you're talking yeah. about is, I believe it was Training Day, Denzel Washington. They had a gun that was dirty that had been used in a crime, but the cops were hanging on to. That would be the gun in your scenario yeah. that would get used. It's a gun you've taken off of somebody that you know was used to commit well, a different crime. That is another is, way to do and, it. It's you know, like you know, but, it's not, yeah, if you take it off a criminal, you have lots of opportunities to do that kind of stuff. You know, what's really scary to me, and, and there are places like this, is that what is it that makes it such a magnet? Like, what is it that draws people that are going to commit these acts in such a concentration like what is it that they are looking for or they like so much you... well they live in texas so it's texas there i'm not is, just blaming uh... it on texas for once i'm not actually blaming I texas know. well there you know houston actually is a very very large city and it's very close to houston yeah, yeah. Uh, so, 40, 50 miles away. I mean, it's, yeah. it is the, the feeder route from Galveston to Houston. But my point is, like, okay, if, if it's just proximity to Houston, then why isn't the next 50 miles up the interstate from Houston littered with bodies in the same way? Do you know, mm-hmm. what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they're, Why aren't they like evenly the, distributed or even clustered a little bit closer to yeah, Houston? Yeah, or it's, it's like, and there's the Highway of Tears. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, I, it's, it's scary. It's like, what what is it? Why? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's hot. It's secluded. It's got bogs and bodies of water that you can a body will decompose quickly in. And I don't know. It's, it's I mean, scary. Are you, I don't are you, like it. Are you saying that it's kind of the perfect storm of the place to dispose of? That's what's drawing these guys is that they I realize guess. it's a good place? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I would. Uh, but I would. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say if I was going to get scientific about it. Um, I would look at I ninety five. Go to the go to the Texas Department of Transportation. I, get for, the traffic. Forty five. Uh, I forty five. Oh, did I say ninety five? Yeah. Sorry. Okay, forty five. Do uh, get traffic counts and just see what traffic counts are like along our stretch. It may be that uh, it, it may be the traffic just 
five, ten miles further north, closer to Houston, is a lot heavier. And that's, uh, that in itself makes it a more attractive place. But these than... girls also disappeared from places that were close to there. They, didn't, they weren't disappearing from Houston. They weren't, you know, it's not as though it's a dumping ground for bodies from Houston. Could have been a local, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's scary. Yeah, there, there... It's all scary. There's no, no good answer. It's yeah. all just scary answers. I mean, we can, we can step around this for the next 10 minutes asking the same question in different ways and giving the same answer. The, the whole th- the, the, in the long and the short of it is, it's disturbing. Well, it feels like things have dropped off in the killing fields, yeah. in the Texas killing fields. And yet, when I look at the lists, I mean, like I said, I, the list I used was curated by somebody else. And a list that was curated by yet another individual has things that are in the 2010s that are in that region. So yeah. I, I don't know that it's actually ended. And I, I don't know. Well, Long story short, avoid that area. Yeah, it is. That's the, uh, yeah, if you live in the Galveston to, to Houston area, please move. Well, that area. Uh, apparently is not a good area. Well, it's um, it, it may be that somebody's still killing with dumping somewhere else because that area is not as desolate as it used to be. If you look at the area, there's a lot. It of, is subdivisions. A lot of subdivision development in the area right nearby. I mean, very close by. I, that actually is, yeah. that really confused me at first. I was like. What? How is this? How is this a great place to dump bodies? And then I know we've talked about this before. I go on Google Earth and I go back to the satellite footage from 10, 15, 20 years ago. And suddenly you realize all the subdivisions just uh, didn't exist. Pretty recent stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that might be one reason the bodies are going somewhere else nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, any last thoughts for either of you? I, I know we've kind of uh, chewed this up most. You know, I, it occurs to me we haven't blamed Chupi in a while, so, you know. You think so. it's the Chupacabra? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, uh, I, I don't think that's it, but we'll let it stand. Okay. We never, we never turned away a theory. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, I will have links to some of the research for today's show on our website. Website, of course, is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. On that website, you're going to find a couple of things that are going to be of interest to you. One is the episode list. So there is a list, uh, an extra pa- or a separate page in our website that has a full list of all episodes that we have put out. On that right-hand panel, you're also going to find links to merchandise, shirts, Ooh. mugs. Uh, we haven't yet got plush dolls, but maybe Damn someday that will happen. Figures. Joe, Steve, Devin, action figures. I really want to get action figures. I uh, just yeah, haven't figured I, out how to will. make it happen. We will soon. Uh, we are available. This episode is available for streaming or download off the website. It's also available through a whole host of other places. So anywhere that you can uh, stream podcasts or subscribe to podcasts, we're going to be there, so Google Play or Stitcher, or if you subscribe and download, that would be something like iTunes. All of those are available. We're always there. If that uh, avenue allows you to rate the podcast, please do rate and review because that's other how other people find us. We are in a number of places on social media. We have the Reddit account, Ooh. which uh, there's discussions of episodes. It's the Reddit uh, subreddit. Yeah. I cannot. Like, easy words escape my small brain today. I know. It's okay. I'm getting used to it. Wait what? till I screw up Twitter. What about the Twitter? Yes, the Twitter. So we have a tweet. Or Oh, wait. So, no. Uh, we do have a Twitter account. It is Think in sideways without the G in the middle, uh, where we do put out a lot of different stuff. We're also going to be on Facebook, so we have the Facebook page and the Facebook group. So like the page, 
join the group. Uh, in the group, you'll be able to talk to other members about past cases and cases that we've never talked about. So a lot of good discussions going on in there. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you're more than welcome to do that. We do have an email address. Ooh, of, that's right, we do, don't we? We do. It's thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. So if you have episode suggestions, you have questions, you have concerns, you'd like to be an expert for us because you have a field where you, you know that you can share that information with us, send that to us at that email address. Please. Uh, that is all of the stuff that I have on my laundry list here today. So I'm going to say goodnight to everybody. Yeah, sleep well. Yeah, adios. Beep.